Okay, there's no one up here giving books away right now, so I thought I would, so I get to be the one. And I literally grabbed books on the way in and I said, can I give these away? <laughs> Courtney was like, I guess you can do what you want. <laughs> so I heard yes. <laughs> All right, you guys, before we get started, this last session is on the wisdom and power of the word in personal study. And so both of these books that I'm going to give away, I haven't even made up the category in my head, I'm about to do that, are related to that. First one, did we give this one away? Taking God at his word by Kelly Hanterhoff. Look, <laughs> okay, watch my trivia, though. It's not going to be about, like, the Bible. <laughs> I love taking God at his word. I'm going to give you a couple of my favorite quotes from this book in a minute to tee off my session. But if you're like, hey, can we trust the Bible completely? Is it sufficient enough for my life? Can we really know what it teaches? This is your jam, okay? So, who can tell me the name of the fitness studio that I work at? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want you to know as a walking ad for Orange Theory Fitness that there's something that you need to know. And it's not my franchise. And I mean, like, we're franchise, right? So there are 1,200 locations in the United States and across the world. We're a five-zone heart rate training system accessible to everyone. There is one right behind the town suites that I'm staying in. Looks like it's just opening. You can take a workout for free. Go check it out. Okay, tell them I said that. Um, they don't know me. <laughs> the second one, this is a shameless plug, but I don't mean it to be, is a daily devotional for students that my husband John wrote. And this book came out of our years in youth ministry where John often was approached by parents who would ask him, like, can you recommend a daily devotional that works its way through the Bible in a year that is accessible enough for my student to understand biblical expository? And so for a year, John wrote a blog every single morning that went through the storyline of the Bible, and it turned into a book. And so this is a book that is a one-year devotional, and it's basically like, hey, have you ever tried to read through the Bible only to bail partway? You know, you get those plans, and you're like, I got this. And you get to Exodus, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> that plague was a little too much for me. <laughs> but this is just a year-long daily study of God's Word. It won't get you to read every single chapter of the Bible but it does give you daily scripture and devotional readings that are simple and accessible. It was written for students. It is good for everyone, okay? Okay, I'm going to test you now. Is, uh, okay, hold on, I need to think of a good piece of trivia. <clears throat> okay, what is the name of the Cubs manager that we just parted ways with? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew so you weren't listening to me. Joe Madden or die. Okay, <laughs> is there a parent in here that has a high school or college age student? For, yep, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I just saw what I saw. I mean, you can only see what you see. You can't unsee it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That quote works in a lot of situations. <laughs> You're like, I can't unsee that. All right, I want to start, you guys, this last time by just giving a huge thank you to all of you. 
I um, have been overwhelmed by your kindness and your warmness this weekend. I also know what a huge commitment it is to leave home for the weekend. And I know that that comes with, a lot, for a lot of us, um, leaving kids behind, husbands and all the things, which requires them to pick up quite a bit. My husband is at an apple orchard or a bouncy house right now. I don't know. I don't want to know. But it requires a whole village for you to be here. And so thank you for your commitment. I think that gatherings like this are really important um, in their various forms. And so thank you for your commitment to this weekend. Um, I was trying to think about how I could start this third talk, and I've run out of cool things to say. So I was like, should I tell them that my hair is going white, and then I pull it out? Should I tell them about niacin, which is what you use when your hair falls out? But no, I'm not going to tell you those dirty details. I'm going to start <laughs> this. You're like, but what happened? Niacin. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start this last. I'm really, really excited about this last um, talk because like we talked about yesterday, we started up really big, right, with preaching, and then we worked our way to small groups, and now we're to the personal and that is our personal study in the words. I'm going to start with two quotes, both Kevin DeYoung quotes, both from that book, Taking God at His Word. <clears throat> First, I have two. Y'all are good. Um, okay, first, no one succeeds at the highest level in sports without working out. No one makes it in music without lots of practice. No one excels in scholarship without years of study. And no one makes it far in the school of holiness without hours and days and years in the work. Number one. Number two, if we learn to read the Bible down into our hearts, across the plot line of scripture, out to the end of the story, and up to the glory of God in the face of Christ, we will find that every bit of scripture is profitable to us. So, both Kevin DeYoung, here's my plug. All right, the wisdom of power of the word in personal study. The main uh, verse is going to be Colossians 2, 3, if you have your Bibles. <clears throat> Kept this water up here, Courtney, from the last talk. <laughs> in anticipation of actually losing my voice on the way home. All right, there are a lot of things you can fake in the Christian world and in the Christian community and in your church. You can definitely fake nice. We all know how to smile on a Sunday morning, how to make small talk, and how to ask people about their week, their jobs, their kids, their health, okay? Even though some of us are introverts and we actually hate that, we do it and we know how to fake it. Okay, we all do. And if you, um, if we, <clears throat> there's someone, I see everything out there. I'm seeing some interesting things back there. Okay, and we can definitely fake being spiritual. So if you've been around church for any uh, bit of time, any number of years, you've probably picked up on how to maybe sound really deeply Christian. When you pray, for example, you know the right words and the phrases to use. You know how to appear just humble enough. And if you're really good, you know, just the right prayer voice to use, okay? What I'm saying is that if you're good, you know how to fake it till you make it in the Christian community, to play the game, to look like you've got it all together, even if you don't. But what I want to say to you as I begin this last talk 
is that the one thing you cannot fake is your personal devotional life. And there's no point really in trying to fake it either. Because it's between you and God, and you're not fooling him. No matter how well you fool the people you run into at church or in your small group, okay, you're not going to fool God. There's an old British preacher named J.C. Ryle who said something about this, and I'll kind of paraphrase his quote, but I love it. He says, a man can fake a lot of things in the Christian religion, and he can fake them for a lot of different reasons. But usually fake Christians don't go alone into their closets and privately pour out their hearts to their God in prayer. And I want to suggest that this idea applies to you and your personal, private, devotional life with God. More specifically, the way you privately and personally read, study, wrestle with, and listen to God's word when you're out on your own. You can't fake that. And this is something that is supposed to be the absolute foundation of our relationship with God as his beloved daughters, right? A pattern of you and I alone before God, reading, listening, wrestling, and responding in prayer. That's the one part of your Christian life that you can't fake. I'm going to start by first just reading the anchor text for this final talk, Colossians 2, 1 to 3. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. We're going to focus on verse 3, but I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right, so in these verses, Paul talks about this struggle he has for the Christians in the church of Colossae, how much he loves them, and how much he longs for them to know God and to love each other. But what I really want to focus on is that brief final phrase there in verse 3, that in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I want to suggest that the vibrancy of your personal time with God in his word will depend on how deeply you actually believe that truth. That's right there. The truth that in Jesus Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So before we get into the practical stuff in this last talk about learning to be women who dig into the word, personally, I just want to start right there with this idea. Okay, seeing Jesus as he is revealed in God's word as the treasure of all treasures, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, just to clarify, is Paul saying that if you know Jesus, you're automatically an expert on everything? That if you just know Jesus more and more, you'll get better at chemistry or the violin or calculus? You guys, my kids are already doing long division, and it's too high level for me, okay? All right, so no, of course he's not saying that you can learn about everything in the world by learning about Jesus through God's word. But God is the creator of all things, and that means we can learn about his word through all kinds of means. We can learn from science books and history lectures and observations and experts on all the various subjects that we want to learn about. But what this does mean is that Jesus is the source. He's the starting point. He's the foundation of all wisdom. And it also means that true and ultimate wisdom and knowledge is found only through him. And so therefore, if we try to pursue wisdom and knowledge and bypass Jesus, then we get off on the wrong direction completely. 
So I just want to ask you, do you see Jesus in God's word that tells you about him as the source of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Are you seeking to start with him, to build your foundation on him? Well, this little phrase in Colossians 2.3 has another really important implication. If in Jesus are found the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we learn more about Jesus through the Bible, then we need to be constantly studying the Bible. As women who claim to love Jesus and who claim to want to know him more deeply, we need to be women who are setting ourselves to know the word of God better and better and better. What I'm trying to say is you don't just stumble into a deeper knowledge of Jesus and of God's word. And while I'm not trying to offend anyone here, I am going to say that you're not going to grow in your knowledge of the word and your understanding of the gospel by just singing praise songs over and over and over again, okay? You're going to get those treasures by actually opening your Bible. They're going to be found in Jesus. They're going to be found when you dig deeper and deeper and more prayerfully into the riches of God's word. You have probably, like me, heard some people kind of dismiss theology at times, okay? And they'll say things like, they'll wave it off with words like intense, and Bible study is too academic, or too cerebral. And you've heard phrases like, I just don't need to get into all of that deep theology stuff. I just need to love Jesus and love others. And of course, it's true that we're called to love Jesus and love others. But the problem with statements like that and a statement like that, which seeks to kind of brush off theology and biblical study, is that it itself is a theological statement. Okay, to say I don't need theology or I don't need intense Bible study um, is to make this theological statement. Basically, what you're saying is my God doesn't really care if I continue to learn more about him. My God doesn't care if I keep growing in my understanding of him. Jesus doesn't mind if I have no desire to do better, all right, to better understand his death for me, his resurrection for me. My God wants me to love. But basically what it's implying is it's okay to stay simple. Honestly, the statement would be almost as offensive as me saying to John in the kitchen one day, hey, we're married, like legally. I've got a ring. You've got a ring. We don't need to actually talk anymore, do we? I don't need to, like, ask you how you're doing and how you're feeling, do I? It's kind of like that. So the point I'm making, three implications here, Jesus holds the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. So we need to personally keep digging into God's word and personally responding to him in prayer. Just like if you're married. You need to keep investing in your marriage. Okay, so what I want to do the rest of the time today is really get down into, like, the house. Like, great, we all agree that we need to, like, study our Bible. I hope we all agree. Do we all agree? We're agreeing. Okay, good. Um, so much, what if someone had just said no? I'm like, all right, so how are we going to do this? How are we going to dig into the riches of God's word in personal study? Five things, okay? So if you're a note taker, there are going to be five coming your way. Five ways that we as godly women should be seeking to approach the word of God daily and devotionally. So number one, first we should read God's word for growth. Okay, for growth. Growth. 
I love this excellent and challenging quotation by Kent Hughes. I've heard me quote him like three times this weekend, but he's good. Um, who is the pastor at College Church in Wheaton. He says this, you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. Okay? You cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. That's really convicting. Because how often do we claim to be influenced by the Bible while not really trying to know it all that well? I think that's actually true for a lot of Christians. It's certainly true at times for me. We need to know God's word if we want to grow as Christians. I'm going to flip to Hebrews 5 really quick. You don't need to flip with me. I'll read it for you. But if you're writing it down, Hebrews 5:11 to 6:1, And this is what it says. About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So the author of Hebrews is kind of getting, like, he's sort of getting in the face of his readers right there in those verses. I love it. He's basically saying you need to grow up, like, grow up, go deeper. You keep circling around the very basic doctrines of the faith, which are good, but you need solid food, not just baby formula. All right? And here again is this idea of the need for us to be growing in our knowledge of God, even in our understanding and doctrine of theology. <clears throat> There's a great little story about a famous astronomer who said to a well-known theologian, you know, I'm not so sure that theology is such an important discipline. To me, theology can all be summed up with the children's song, Jesus Loves Me. And the theologian, without missing a beat, responded this. You know, I'm not so sure that astronomy is such an important discipline. To me, it can all be summed up with the children's song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are, okay? The point is we can always go deeper. We should be reading and studying God's word personally because we are desperate to keep growing in God. And I want to point out, too, that this is the attitude of Paul himself in Philippians 3, 12 to 15. If you're writing down, I'm going to, I'll read it for you. Paul writes, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Here's the ama this amazing, like, holy discontent from Paul, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived, maybe. He wants to keep growing. He keeps pressing on. He never thinks he's spiritually arrived, does he? That needs to be us as we approach the Bible in our personal study. So we read for growth, number one. Number two, we should read God's word with gratitude. So often I think our personal devotional lives stink <laughs> because we're just ungrateful. We don't realize the gift that we have in God's word. We don't value our time with God and in his word like we should. Sometimes it seems like a chore, a task. There's an older romantic movie. Someone's going to know what it is, but I don't. I think it's with Keanu Reeves, but I know the storyline. 
I don't even remember what it's called. Okay, he his character goes off to war. I think it's World War One. And right before he goes off to war, he very quickly gets married to this really beautiful woman that he really doesn't know very well. And every day for like three years, he writes her a long letter full of his love and his dreams for them after the war, and basically he pours his heart out to her. And he gets back home after the war, only to find out that she's not the woman that he thought he was. She's been unfaithful to him. She doesn't want to be married anymore at all. And all of that is bad, really bad. But what happens next, even for someone who's not real emotional, was awful. It was terrible. He's talking to his wife, and he's realizing she doesn't love him. And he looks over in the corner of the room, and he sees stacks and stacks of his love letters from the war sitting there, and they're unopened. And he just loses it. She hasn't even read his letters. They're just sitting there unopened. Now, obviously, I don't want to suggest that God has this kind of emotional reaction that I just described. (laughs) When we don't study and read his word enough, like a wounded lover, but I do think there's something to that picture, right? The The God of the universe has spoken to us. He's given us his word. He's poured out his heart to us, written his love letter in the person of his son, and so often we don't read his word with gratitude. Psalm 119 is well known because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And do you know what it's about? It's basically a love letter about the Word of God. And it says the Word of God is like honey. It's so beautiful. It's more precious than gold or silver. And that's supposed to be our attitude toward the Bible, gratitude. Okay, so we read for growth. We're to have gratitude. Third, diverting from the G's. We should read God's word with humility. Isaiah 66, 1 to 2 are some verses that I think you could actually view as theme verses of the whole Bible. Here's what God says through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So here God is basically saying, hey, I put my feet up on the world, okay? Like it it starts and stops with me. There is literally nothing you can give me that I need. You add nothing to who I am. But here's what I want, and here's what I love, and here's the person that I will look upon with love and acceptance. The one who's humble and contrite and who trembles at my word. So think about that for a moment. And think about your morning devotions or your evening devotions. Could they be described as you trembling at the word of God? Maybe not literally. But is that the attitude of your heart as you open your Bible? You trust it so much, and you value it so much, and you listen to it so carefully, and sometimes it convicts you so deeply that it almost does make you tremble. Think about it for a moment with me. How would you listen to the words of a global leader with whom you had been given a meeting. I'm not going to go into names of world leaders here because honestly I don't care about politics at all. And I'm not trying to get political. 
But if you were invited to meet the king or the president or the dictator of a certain nation, how would you come? And how would you dress? And what would you say? And how carefully would you listen to every single word that that person had to say? We should read God's word like that, with humility. Fourth, we should study God's word relationally. We've already talked about small groups, so I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of relationally right now. I'm talking about reading the Bible relationally with God, okay? So reading it intentionally, understanding what you're doing is being in the context of your relationship with the God who actually inspired the words that you're reading. In other words, when you're reading the Bible, you're seeking to receive it as the personal word of a relational God. Think of it this way. You want to read the Bible more like, to use the previous illustration from the Keanu Reeves movie, I should have used that as trivia, by the way, and given a book away for the person that could name it. More like a love letter than a textbook, right? What's the name of the movie? Is that what it is? <laughs> See? I'm like, I know I saw that movie. I just don't know when I saw it. It might even be misrepresenting it, but I think I'm pretty close. Um, more like a love letter than a textbook. When you're reading a textbook, it's impersonal. You're trying to learn something. You're taking some notes on some important stuff. Maybe you're getting ready for a test. You don't have a relationship with the author of a calculus textbook, unless it happens to be written by your professor. But a love letter, you read that totally differently. You think about the person writing the words. You understand the context of your relationship with that person. You know that it's for you, for your benefit, and for your growth. And you're probably going to consider writing something back. You don't write the author of a history textbook to tell her how much you liked it. Well, maybe maybe some people do. Uh, but you respond to a love letter, right? Which points us on, okay, when we listen to God's word as if he is truly speaking to us or to you, that should lead us naturally into talking back to him in prayer. That's how prayer fits into this whole intentional commitment to digging into God's word personally and devotionally. Prayer doesn't just come out of nowhere, or at least it shouldn't. Prayer comes as we hear God's word, we understand it in the context of our relationship with God, and we actually respond to what his word is saying. Devotions can and should be a delightful exercise of listening to God speak and then talking back to him in prayer. So let's review before we go to five. One, we read God's word for growth. Two, we should read God's word with gratitude. Three, we should read God's word with humility. Four, we should read God's word relationally. And fifth and finally, we should read God's word for perspective. I was going to ask you if those were my kids knocking on the door, Jeff. Watch out. They're, they're going to be around here in a few minutes, and y'all aren't going to know what hit you. You're going to be like, I left home to get away from this. <laughs> and here they are <laughs> in the form of someone else's face. All right. Fifth and finally, we should read God's word for perspective. Psalm 73 is such an awesome example of what can happen to us when we are only looking at our world and not taking time to look at the truths of God's word. So let me just read a few words from Psalm 73 for us. 
But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It's like one of my favorite psalms. So the psalmist is looking around at the world and he sees a problem. It seems like bad people are doing great. And he kind of gets sad and depressed. And he says, like, God, don't you see? Don't you care? Well, listen to where he lands. But then when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. So finally, I took my eyes off the world, and I turned to the word. And I went into the sanctuary, into the sanctuary of God, the place of worship. And I got my perspective back. God is going to judge. God does see. God does care. And one day he's going to make all things right. So God's word gives us perspective, right? So listen, if you read the New York Times every day or scroll Twitter to get your news, and that's fine if you do, okay? Just make sure that you're going into the sanctuary of God daily too. Get your ultimate perspective from the word of God. What I'm saying is that this regular immersion in God's word can have a kind of this effect of jerking us back, okay, uh, to an ultimate eternal perspective on our lives and on this world. God's word gives us a God's eye, God's eye view of things, and we need it daily. I know I do, okay, and I know you do too. So there you go, five answers to the how question when it comes to digging into God's word personally and devotionally. Okay. One quick caveat. <laughs> I love that. Caveats. Uh, I kind of want to add one quick caveat before I close today, and it's a caveat that has to do with discipline. Um, we've all heard the study of God's word or personal devotions described as being one of the spiritual disciplines of the faith. And here I am talking about these kind of idealistic pictures of what our devotions should be like, right? Here I am. Gratitude, growth, humility, relationship, perspective. And that doesn't really sound like discipline. Sounds like joy to me, at least when I wrote them down. And it should be. It should be joy. But I don't want you to hear me say that this commitment to digging into the God's word doesn't come with some kind of struggle, okay, um, with needing to discipline ourselves to do it. And sometimes that's really what we do have to do. We have to discipline ourselves to open God's word, and actually sometimes our emotions will go up and down. Maybe one day you'll have that perfect devotion time. Mine involves coffee on the front porch. And maybe you're reading the Bible and you're crying or you're laughing or you're praising God and it sets a tone for your whole day and it's perfect. But that's not always the case. It's not the case for me and I'm sure it's not the case for you. But we do have to discipline ourselves to do something that we know is good for our hearts and our souls. And we pray that God will more and more fill that discipline with joy. Okay, so if you're in a season where it's like, man, Opening my Bible is a real struggle. I'm like, I hear you, but I'm just not doing it, okay? I want to kindly and hopefully graciously say, do it until you feel it, okay? Do it until you feel like it, all right? Because along the way, we're going to pray that God will more and more fill that discipline, that act of obedience with joy by the power of his Holy Spirit, and we know that he can do that. All right. So I'm going to close now, not just this talk, but really I'm going to try to bring them all together for you um, with this final word. One, we want to be women of the word, okay? That's really 
where I want to land after last night and today. We want to be women of the word. And the implications are in that are that we want to be built up through faithful preaching of the word. All right. We want to encourage each other through small group study of the word. And we want to have a foundation of personal devotional lives that are joyfully digging into the word. Okay. Why? Because God's word is such a gift. It is the glorious love letter from our living God, which is pretty awesome. Think about think about the fact that you're sitting in the most privileged. This isn't on my notes, so hopefully. You're sitting in the most privileged place in history, okay? You have the whole Bible in its complete form in front of you. All right? You have it, and it's a gift. And it's a glorious love letter. And one day we will see him face to face. And we won't need to listen only. We'll actually see him. But until then, you're people of the book. And so then we are led by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God through preaching, small groups, personal devos. Okay, let me pray. God, thanks for this weekend and what a uh, privilege it has been and a joy it has been to be here with these women and in this church and in this space, Lord. And um, thank you for the work that you are doing in lives, Lord. And I pray for um, those who still have breakout sessions today, Lord, that you would uh, use their preparation and that through their words you would speak, Lord. And that, as always, we would just get out of the way and uh, let you do your work through us, Lord. Thank you um, for Jeff and for Courtney and for their vision to see this kind of conference come to fruition for women um, in this space, Lord. And uh, thank you for all the work that has gone into making this weekend possible um, for Dan and for all the help with the meals and the bookstore and the everything, Lord. It is truly um, a beautiful representation of the church, Lord, manifested through your people and um Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless this space and this place. In your name we pray. Amen.